We're here at the end of our summer series on the Proverbs, living the proverbial good life. And we talked about it this summer, how everyone wants a good life. I mean, if you were to sit down, your buddy at the coffee shop, or maybe a friend at work, and you were to ask them, what do you want out of life? And are we talking about, after you cut through, I want to win the lottery, and I want to date a supermodel, and all the various things they would name. After you kind of cut through that stuff, you get down to the real stuff that matters to them. Well, they want to have good relationships. They want to have deep friendships that matter with people who care for them. If they should get married, or if they are already married, they, they'd like to have a, a, a marriage that actually is flourishing, is, is real, is vibrant. If they have kids, they, they like to have kids who actually like them. Not just when they're three, but when they're 13, and when they're 23, and when they're 53. They, they'd like kids to actually want to be with them. They, they would like to be financially stable. Not necessarily super wealthy, but like enough to cover what's going on and, and pursue life without stress. They'd like to have good health. They, they'd like to have work that doesn't suck the soul out of them every day. They like to have work that actually has a purpose and gives some meaning to life, contributes to society. They'd they'd like to somehow have a life that creates a legacy that lasts, right? If if you really were to cut through the stuff, if people were really thinking straight, and you ask them, what kind of life do you want? That's the kind of life they would describe, a good life. And yet, so many people, you and I in that mix, don't experience the good life that we actually want. That in the clear light of day, we would say we want. We'd even identify what you need to do to get there. So many of us do not experience that. Marriages deteriorate. Kids don't want to have anything to do with those parents. We have broken bank accounts and broken bodies. The good life that we want is often frustrated by the choices that we make. And we've all experienced this, right? We can identify times in our lives where the very thing we wanted was sabotaged by, well, by me. Right? Choices that I made, decisions that I would like to go back and change. (laughs) Things that maybe seemed right, felt good, were even encouraged by others at the time, but they didn't lead us to the life we wanted. They didn't lead us toward the good that God had for us. So we've taken this summer to look at a bunch of practical themes, really, that have emerged from the book of Proverbs, and each of them helping us live more wisely, make right choices, godly choices, choices that will lead us toward the good life that we actually want, and more importantly, that that God wants for us. And so we looked through a whole bunch of themes. I, I listed them there. Oh, they're really tiny. Work hard. Watch your words. These are all themes that are, come straight out of the Proverbs. If you read through the Proverbs, and some of you have been doing that through the summer, you've taken the, the Proverbs reading challenge, and each day today we're, Pro, we're Proverbs 30, right? Because today is August 30th. And so you, you read through a proverb a day through the summer, read through it twice. And so you've seen these themes emerge. Common themes. Watch your words. Always be honest. Be humble. Be money wise. Stay faithful. Get good advice. and Make good plans. And there's a lot of other themes in there, but these are some of the big ones that emerge when you, when you read through the Proverbs. And if you've missed some of the talks, which I think we all have over the summer, I want to encourage you to, to catch up, to listen to them. They're available on our, our website, and now you can even subscribe through iTunes and have it downloaded automatically. Listen up. 
If you didn't, you didn't catch any of them, uh, there, there, there's some terrific stuff on there. I missed uh, Terry Young's talk on money, and it was great. Very, very encouraging. Um, and so there's other ones there. Maddie's message from last week is there. You'll want to catch that one. Uh, this is great, great stuff there, so I encourage you to catch up. As we look through all of these themes this summer, we've really been given perspective, I think, on our lives and an understanding of what truly matters. And that's the thing about God's wisdom. It gives us good perspective. And we need good perspective, right? Because it's so easy for us to lose perspective in the midst of busyness, in the midst of distraction, just in the muddle of life. It's easy for us to lose good perspective on our finances when there's just something we really got to have. Right? No? Only me? It's so easy to lose perspective on faithfulness when we begin to experience relationship problems. It's so easy to lose perspective on the truth when it, it seems like, at least in the moment, that cutting that corner or fudging the truth would, would somehow give us the advantage we want. Under the pressures of parenting, we can lose the larger perspective of what really matters, and that loss of perspective can really affect our kids. That's why we need God's wisdom, because God's wisdom gives good perspective. Our last big theme in Proverbs is this challenge to keep perspective. And as you read the Proverbs, this theme might not immediately jump out out to you. I think it's a theme that actually kind of sits in the background, or maybe it overarchs all of the Proverbs, that we need to keep perspective. Once you see it, it really seems to be everywhere. And it actually touches all the themes that we've looked at so far. God's wisdom, the, the wisdom we see in the Proverbs, the wisdom we, we see in all of God's Word, the wisdom we receive from one another in community and from experience, God's wisdom helps us zoom out far enough to get the bigger perspective, to get God's perspective so that we can see, as we've zoomed out, we can see where life is heading. We can see where wisdom is taking us as well as receive the warning as to where foolishness and stupidity leads. That's what zooming out does for us. And then, with that larger perspective that we gain from this zoom out, I think then we're able to zoom back in to our daily lives and continue to choose wisdom. Wisdom in our relationships. Wisdom in our work. Wisdom with the words that we say. Wisdom with our hearts. We're able to choose God's wisdom in our daily lives. And so as a way of kind of wrapping up, I guess, wrapping up the summer, wrapping up the Proverbs, I want to I reflect on four ways that the Proverbs urges us or helps us to keep perspective. And uh, maybe you'll apply it to an area of your life that is the most challenging to you. Maybe it's a theme we've covered this summer. Maybe it's faithfulness in your relationships. Maybe it's your finances. There might be a certain uh, area that you felt really challenged this summer. And this theme of keeping perspective might be a real encouragement to you to continue to choose wisdom, to live wisely. So the first way that the Proverbs help is by um, 
showing us that we need to act with the end in mind. And that's what zooming out does. It, it helps us to act with the end in mind. The reality is our daily actions really do matter. We know this, but we often forget that. And this is a huge, huge theme all, all throughout the Proverbs. And it's usually captured in a simple statement that I think a lot of times we just kind of gloss over it. We hear it and we kind of think, okay, and we move on. But, but, but it shows us in a simple statement kind of how it's all going to end, where wisdom leads, where foolishness leads. You'll hear an emphasis in the Proverbs on the rewards for living. Um, the rewards of faithfulness, the rewards of wisdom. You'll also hear the inevitable punishment and demise of the wicked. These Proverbs, I think, they're, help, they're all over the place, and they're, they're designed to help us zoom out so that we can have confidence in the thick of it all that wisdom will pay off and that wickedness won't. Here's just a tiny sample. These are literally everywhere in the Proverbs. How about this one? Proverbs 10.27 The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. And then this one. Proverbs 14.14 The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways, and the good rewarded for theirs. These Proverbs remind us that we need to zoom out so that we can act with the end in mind. It's kind of like hiking through miles and miles of forest where you're just not able to even see where you're going and you finally come to a viewpoint where the trees are broken and you're up high enough and you're able to finally see your destination, to see where you're going. You might have lots of valleys yet, lots more hours through the forest as you're going there. But you now can see the destination that you're heading for. And it gives you perspective in your hard work. It gives you perspective in those times when you can't see. You can remember, this is worth it because I know where it's heading. These promises and these warnings in the Proverbs remind us that even when we don't see it, right living, right choices will lead us toward the good life that we all desire that God has designed us to live. But taking shortcuts and betraying friends and quitting your marriage and living selfishly, all of that will lead us to death. Death of some kind. Relational death, financial death, even physical death. The Proverbs urge us to keep perspective in a whole variety of areas. Some of them we've touched on this summer, some we haven't. For example, this one, in friendship. The Proverbs remind us that the kind of friends you make actually matter because who you befriend influences who you are. Proverbs 12.26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. How about the way we use our words? We know that in our words there are life and death. How about this one from Proverbs 13.13? Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. Those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Do you see how it's helping us keep perspective so that we can act in our daily lives with the end in mind, with where this is heading, where this will lead us? Do you feel like getting back at someone sometime? Listen to this. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. Proverbs 17.13 With our finances, we read, Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, then your, then your barns will be filled with to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. It's in Proverbs 3. 
All of these, in a variety of ways, help us get the picture of the end in mind so that we can hold that and continue to act in our daily lives with this view to the future, with where it's leading us. It helps us zoom out so that we can see the effects of the way that I speak and the way that I live and the way that I interact. Well, that's all fine and good, but what makes it tough, at least for me, is the delay. That's what makes it tough. Because making the right choice today doesn't mean you'll see the results, you know, next week or tomorrow. And that's why keeping perspective is so crucial. So the second way I think this zooming out gives us, it gives us confidence in the, in the delay. It's all about keeping perspective. The fact is, there's usually a delay between our actions and the results, right? Usually. I mean, sometimes it's not very far, but, but usually there's a bit of a delay, whether it's with the success and the reward or even the, the punishment and the ruin. Sometimes it only takes days or weeks, but sometimes it might take years, even a lifetime, for those effects to take place. And this delay that, that often troubles, you know, I was thinking about, let's imagine this scenario, a 41-year-old who's out of shape. who then decides, I need to get in shape, and goes back to the gym, okay? And he's very excited about this, so he works out at the gym like crazy. He's on the weights, he goes hard, right? Because he's dumb that way. So he goes really hard, and he's doing lots of cardio and lots of weights, and this is the right choice to be making, Right? And he's thinking by the end of the first week, I'm doing something wrong. Because how's he feeling by the end of the first week, folks? Is he feeling great? Is he feeling like he can leap across tall buildings? How's he feeling? Shout it out. Sore and tired. How else? Fatter than ever. Frustrated. Discouraged, right? Because the results in the gym just don't quite happen that way. Now, he, if he's going to keep going in the gym, what does he need to do? He needs to keep the end in mind. He needs to, he needs to get a bigger perspective, a, a longer view of this, what this, where this short-term pain is leading him, he hopes. But it's, a, it's in the delay that we hurt, right? And so at the end of the first week, or, or usually it's right, isn't it the first week of February that people quit the gym? Uh, you know, y- you realize that part of the reason why we get discouraged is because we think, well, I'm making the right choices, so surely I should be reaping some of the rewards. Like right now. Right? And we have a hard time holding in our minds and our hearts that larger perspective of where these right choices are leading. I see this all the time. I certainly see it when marriages are struggling. I've been, nice and, I've been nice to him for a week. It should be getting better by now. Uh, I feel it in financial choices where uh, people are struggling to get under, un, out from under a mountain of debt and they're making right choices for a couple months, but that is a mountain of debt and it takes a long time perhaps to, to actually dig out from under bad consumer debt or some of the things we're, we're wrestling under and you can feel like just giving up. Maybe you've been telling a good friend about Jesus. And you're not experiencing a lot of response. In fact, you feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit's saying you better lay off for a while. Just, just love them and keep your mouth shut. And you, you think, oh, maybe I should just give up. But you're reminded that, no, let's keep 
the larger perspective in mind. This delay is what can be so discouraging. But I think by zooming out, we're able to remember that this gap doesn't tell the whole story. There's a larger picture in mind. So, so why be honest? You know, why work on my marriage? Why have integrity at work? Because in the end, wisdom will yield the results that wisdom is promised to yield, that we all desire. But stupidity and selfishness will not. We read in Proverbs 11.21, to be sure of this. The wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. Again, remind us that there is a delay, and there's times when we're frustrated by that. And there's times when we want to just give up. But this helps us keep perspective in the midst and confidence in the midst of the delay. Third thing is that zooming out clarifies what really matters. And I think this is super important when we think about keeping perspective. It's crucial. If we can get really clear with what matters, what really matters in life, the goals and the priorities that will lead us toward the good life that God has for us, then we can keep our heads when we're tempted to just give up on that choice that I'm making. Just give up on what God has said about my relationships. Just give up on, on the, the right thing to do in this work context with, with integrity. Just, just give up. We feel that temptation to, short, to choose short-term pleasure instead. But by clarifying what really matters, I think we're able to then call out what is false, the, the lies and the temptation that we're, we're being battered with all the time. I think it's the other reason why we need community. We need to be able to remind one another what really matters in life. Because when I lose my head and start making choices that are not going to lead me toward life, I need you and you need me to come along and say, hey, remember what matters here. Remember what matters in the life of your kids. Remember what matters you know, beyond this job that you're working. Remember what matters. And we can remind one another of that because it's super important that we get really clear on what really matters. In the Proverbs, we're told that, for example, wisdom matters more than money. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. We're told that good relationships matter more than great wealth. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Again, reminding us what really matters in life isn't the mound of wealth or the rich serving in the table, but it's the people that we do life with. But so often, we're tempted to make choices that will actually neglect or deny or even destroy the very relationships that we know matters the most, sometimes even related directly to, the, to our own finances. We're reminded in the Proverbs that doing what is right matters more to God than doing what is religious. Proverbs 21.3 says, To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. 
as we take in God's wisdom, as we let God's word shape our hearts and minds, we begin to get God's perspective on what truly matters in life. And then we're able to focus our energy and our prayer and our priorities and our time on the things that really will last, the choices that lead toward God's good for us. And that is wisdom. That's what wisdom looks like. The fourth way that the Proverbs help us keep perspective is by reminding us that God knows and God cares. When you're making good choices, when you're living with wisdom, when you're staying faithful in those times when it would be easier to run and being honest when it hurts, we've got to remember that God knows, that God is aware of what's going on in our lives. And He actually cares. He can see us. He can see the ways that we're struggling. He can see and He hears the, the prayers that we offer and He gives us His Spirit to walk with us. And he's, he's aware of those times when you've chosen to have integrity and no one knows. Right? He's aware of those times when you've bitten back that harsh word and you've instead returned it with a gentle answer. Maybe no one else was aware of that. But He knows. He watches the ways that you've chosen to live. He's, he's watching the struggle you're having to figure out certain things in life, maybe big struggles you've had in life. He knows. He's aware. He's, he's there to resource you and He's there to walk with you. He cares about you beginning to experience more of the good life that He desired for you and your family, your kids. He really does know. In Proverbs 15.3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. One of the, one of the applications of this, I think, are important as we think of our own lives, but as we think of maybe the larger world, is that in the end, there will be justice. That God isn't ignoring the evil that's being done, whether it's around the world or maybe suffering that you've experienced or are experiencing in your own life, that God knows about these things. He cares about these things. And and even in those times when we want to reach for anger or sarcasm or selfishness, we can pull back and we can say, no, God knows about this. God knows and He has promised to deal with it. Proverbs 20.22 says, Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and He will avenge you. We're able to trust that this God who loves us, who created us, who is walking with us, is fully aware of the challenges that we're experiencing and the choices we're making to live more wisely. He's promised to walk with us. He's promised to complete in us the work that He's begun. So those are four ways that I think the Proverbs help us keep perspective. By zooming out, we're able to see this is where this is heading and why we're able to continue to choose to live wisely in life. Let me ask you, maybe we have a moment, we do, we have a moment. How about you? Jack, do we have a microphone for this? Because a couple weeks ago when we did discussion time, I didn't use a mic, and then when I heard the podcast, I wished we had. Um, But I want to ask you, how do you keep perspective? Like, what do you do to keep perspective on on what matters in life, on, on, on making wise choices. Maybe, maybe it's in an area that we've discussed already. Maybe it's something that's come out of the Proverbs for you. But how do you keep perspective in the midst of your busy, distracted, flurried lives? Would anyone like to share how you've kept perspective or maybe a way that God has helped you do that? You put your hand up and then we'll give you a microphone.
So I know it was daunting, but people who are hard of hearing who are present, as well as those who listen to the podcast later, appreciate it. So anyone want to share? How do you keep perspective? Sherry. I've written out a vision for my marriage and a vision for what I want in life, Mm -hmm. and I have it posted. Excellent. So you keep that in front of you, right? And that forms a, a, a target that then influences the way you live on a daily life, on your daily level, right? Yeah. When things seem to be going wrong, I have another look and say, what part of that am I not living or looking to? Excellent. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. Anyone else? Want to, how do you keep perspective? Val. Yep. Uh, it's one that most of everyone else is probably doing too, but it, it's the first thing in the morning. It's spending time with the Lord and getting his perspective, and then the rest of the day seems to... Um, fall into place as to, you know, otherwise you end up doing your own thing in the morning and, and the rest of the day ends up being about you all the time. But if you keep it with his perspective, things change. Thank you. That is terrific. So having a practice, a regular practice of, to use the analogy I'm using here, of zooming out before you get into all the, having a regular practice that, you know, sitting with God's word in prayer and where you're able to just remember what it's all about. That's also the way that this corporate gathering works. Cameron, next will be Doug Real. Um, That's also the way this corporate gathering works. When we gather to worship together, it's another way that we're reminded of what really matters. Where we, we come from a lot of different things in our week, right? And we come here and, and whether we want to or not... <laughs> We are invited to worship and to fix our eyes on Jesus and to remember who really matters. And it helps us keep perspective, a perspective that we can so easily lose. That is one of the great values of a regular connection with the body of Christ. Coming to worship together, studying scripture together, is that we will lose perspective if we don't have those specific times when we are reminded what matters. Doug. My grandfather had a saying, he would say, what does it matter in 50 years? I didn't have that much patience, so I changed it a bit. To, you know, is this decision going to matter in 10 years, or yeah. so what's it going to matter in the long haul? That's great. Awesome, Doug. Thank you. What else? How do you keep perspective? What do you do? Donna, and then Joel. Prayer. Mm-hmm. And patience, too. Excellent. Thank you, Donna. And now, Joel, right in front of you, actually, Donna. I find it helps to keep perspective for me if I, um, if I write down or try to remember um, things that have happened in the past that have been an encouragement to me. So oh, that's good. That's what I do. <laughs> awesome. Not to put you on the spot, Joel, but can you give an example? If you can't, that's okay. I just want to... Uh, what's, what would be an example of that? Answered prayers, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Terrific. So Answered there, prayers or times that... Uh, yeah, I guess mostly answered prayers. Yeah. I've had times that prayers have been answered in, in ways that just blew my mind. Yeah. And uh, that's really encouraging to me. Absolutely. That helps me keep perspective. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially when you think of the delay we often experience in prayer. Right? Yeah. So later on, I'm praying for something that really matters, and there's a delay. One of the biggest challenges of our prayer life is the delay. I'm being reminded of times when there was a delay, perhaps, but 
God answered that as a super encouragement. Anyone else? How do you keep perspective? Steph? Well, I call my mom. Excellent. <laughs> Anyone else call their mom? <laughs> yeah. right. um, but kind of along with what Doug said, um, when you talk to people who have walked a lot more, more miles than you have, um, they can, not to minimize what you're going through, but to go, okay, this, this will pass. And what she's famous for saying is, this too shall pass, which is incredibly annoying. But um, um, you can look at the, the trials you're dealing with and go, yeah, you know, God, God does know. And this will pass, and God will use it. So. That's super. Thanks, Steph. Anyone else? How do you keep perspective? John, up here at the front. Kevin? Well, keeping uh, perspective is like... Uh, you make up your mind in the morning or in the day or if you're building. You have a perspective. You are going to complete your job. And that's, that's important in, in, in anything and in life, too. If uh, you've made an error, you pray about it. You have a perspective. And whatever you do, you're building on it. Keep that perspective. And uh, a lot of times you'll have people that will discourage you. And uh, it's quite easy, but you, you try and stay away from those. Like uh, uh, e- even the TV that you watch, when it's uh, rated 18 or 17, forget it, because you certainly aren't going to gain anywhere with your perspectiveness in life. Mm-hmm. And that's important to me, is, is to have a goal and stay to it. Thank you, John. Thank you. Cameron, Terry. Put up your hand, Terry. Yep. Uh, what, what, what helps for me to keep perspective is I keep it right here and now where I am. Be grateful for God's blessing that I have a place to stay. Start off with the basics, you know, my shelter, my food, you know. I have that. And, um, and I don't have to look too far beyond that to know that there's people that don't. And for that, I'm grateful and it's gratitude for what I have right now. And when I have gratitude for what I have right now, I forget about my problem. I forget about what I don't have, what I wish I had. Thank you. So gratitude is a powerful practice that helps us keep perspective. Anyone else want to contribute to this? How do you keep perspective? Jordan. Um, I think one thing I was thinking as you were talking about uh, the good life uh, nowadays with media, uh, television, everything else, a lot of people are losing the idea of what is good and they're going one step beyond um, losing the idea of what is good, but we're actually mixing up good and bad. So now it's a glorification of actually living bad life. Now it's not a rebellion. People just have no idea of what they're doing. They actually think they're living a good life when really it's not. So I think it's about actually um, taking the time, understanding where you are, and knowing what the big plan is, mm-hmm. and you know, with everything that you're saying, and being well grounded in the word. So, thank you, Jordan. One of the verses, one of the proverbs that we highlighted uh, a number of times this summer was a proverb that says, "There's a way that seems right to people." But in the end, it leads only to death. 
And, and that's the challenge that we've kind of been looking at this summer, is that on many of these topics we've looked at, there's a lot of voices, a lot of influence we can receive from the larger culture, from friends, even from family, that suggests that to really have the, and what you were pointing out, Jordan, the good life, is to do things that are not wise, that won't actually lead us to the good life. And so we need to be oriented around what God says is a good life. And here's the thing. I believe when we search our heart and when we discuss this in community, we do find that we were created for that. That, that when we understand where this is leading us and where this is going, we, we come to grips with the fact that, hey, you know what? I thought that would be good, but it actually wouldn't lead me to the good. It, it would lead me in a place, to a place I don't want to go. And so helping understand what, is it, what does it mean that we live a good life, a godly life? What does God have for us is one of the, one of the important things we do when we read the scripture. And as we engage in community, we remind ourselves, because you're right, Jordan, we have lost. Our culture has largely lost um, what, what real goodness looks like. Well, thank you for all of, all of your uh, uh, input. I think it's really valuable. And it shows, I think, that that as we share with each other, we can learn from each other, we can help one another, even keep perspective, so that we can do uh, what really matters in life and, and live the life that God has called us to live. So, how do we apply it? Very simply, and then we're going to we're going to head to communion and apply it that way. I think the application for us when we think about how to keep perspective is it's kind of in line with what what you said, Val and Donna and others is that we need to take time to zoom out. That somehow in the midst of our daily life, maybe our weekly rhythms, we've got to figure out a way that we can regularly get perspective. To zoom out enough to remember, what am I working for? Why am I making these choices? Why am I in this relationship still? You know, to zoom out enough to be reminded of what, what is truly God's good for us. This happens, I believe, through regular connection with God's Word, where we're reading. It doesn't have to be a lot, even. That's the amazing thing about God's Word, is that it doesn't have to be hours of study, 15 minutes a day, and you can be listening to God's Word and having God's Word shape your heart and your mind. 15 minutes a day. It can be even less, but 15 is something most of us can do if we chose to. Sometimes a good walk, maybe with a friend, can help us gain the perspective we need. Spending time in silence, shutting off the devices, (laughs) getting away from the distractions, and actually being quiet helps us gain perspective. We need some kind of regular practice. And for some of us, we don't do any of that. For some of us, we move from one thing to the next to the next without a pause. Right? And I think it's hard to keep perspective when we're moving at that rate of speed. And so my question or my challenge to all of us, but particularly to some of us who have a hard time doing this, is that we take time to zoom out. Maybe it is first thing in the morning. Maybe it's at your lunch break. You know, how it works for you, you've got to figure out. 
There's certainly good advice from those who have practiced these kinds of things a long time. Sometimes journaling is a helpful way of gaining perspective and keeping perspective. But to have a regular practice of doing this, maybe it's just over your coffee in the morning that you take a few minutes and write out what you're thinking or write out a prayer. But we need to take time to zoom out, to keep God's perspective, to connect in God's Word. And related to that is also our regular connection here. When we gather Sunday mornings, in the fall, signing up for a small group, again, to gather regularly in a community, that, that can really help us because we put that in our calendar, right? And we tend to keep those things that we put in our calendar when we have a, you know, an obligation to other people. And, and so that can help by, by taking us out of the busyness of life. It can feel like another thing, but it can function as a way of reminding us what really matters so that we can keep perspective. So what would it be for you? What would be the practice that would be helpful for you? Something that you can even start this week. Maybe it's 10 minutes in the morning. Maybe it's a, a little bit toward the end of your lunch break where you, you read something on, even on your phone or, or, or you, you listen to Scripture while you drive. What is it that will help you keep perspective? Because I think it's as we take time to zoom out on a regular basis, on a weekly level, on a monthly level, as we zoom out and we are reminded of what really matters, of what God is up to, of where the choices we're making are leading, and we, we keep in front of us the, the goals that God has given us regarding our finances or our relationships or our parenting or our work, as we're reminded of that, then we're able to zoom back in. We're able to emerge from our lunch break with God's perspective. We're able to greet our kids in the morning having been reminded of what really matters. We're able to get up on Monday morning and head to work with joy, maybe on a job that we enjoy, but we can head to it with joy because we have a perspective that God has given us of where this life is leading, where He is calling us. Keeping perspective. Zooming out so we can zoom in. Coming to communion today is a way of doing just that. You know, we are able in communion to kind of zoom out and be reminded of what this is all about, of what life is all about, what, of what God has said matters to Him. This perspective, um, the perspective in this, I know you probably can't see it very well, but it's a Salvador Dali picture of the crucifixion. I've always loved this picture because of its perspective, which is a lot of to do with art. I'm not really an art guy, so I'm way out on a limb here. But what I like about it is the perspective it offers, kind of God's perspective, this perspective from above, where you're looking down on the cross, and then down below you can see, well, it'll be the Sea of Galilee and the disciples and, and, and uh, you know, the world that Jesus loved, that Jesus died for. In communion, we're able to zoom out. We're able to realize that in the midst of everything that might be going on in our lives and in our world, in the midst of maybe some of the daily struggles we're having, or just the daily life of living with integrity and pursuing Jesus and serving in the kingdom of God, we're reminded that what God is up to in the world, through His Son Jesus, by the Spirit that He's given us, His people, that Jesus is bringing all of the world back to God. 
But he's got a goal in place to see all of creation reconciled to his Father. That's the biggest perspective that we could possibly have. And in communion, we're able to zoom out and be reminded, this is what this is all about. This is why we pursue wisdom. This is why we follow Jesus. This is why we lead our kids to see who God is and what matters in life. This is, this is why we're, we're saying that you know, relationships matter more than wealth. This is, this is why we're, we're, we're pursuing life with integrity. And this is why we're you know, showing others that you know, God has a desire for you. He wants to see you experience goodness because of this and what Jesus has done. That's the zoom-out perspective we're given at communion. So that we're able to then zoom in on the bread, the juice, and with gratitude and with thanksgiving, we're able to say, Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for your forgiveness. By your Spirit, I want to walk tomorrow, today, next week, next month. I want to walk my life knowing that this is your perspective on me, this is your perspective on our church, this is your perspective on the world, that you love us, that you created us, and that you are committed. He's acting with the end in mind, committed to bringing all of us to the place that he desires us to be. And that's why we celebrate communion.